computer. All right, so chapter 14 of Modern Idolatry. This is our, our last discussion, and it's a great one because it's only, what, three paragraphs? <laughs> let's, let's squeeze uh, blood out of a turnip. But, um, I was going to say, let's see how long it takes us. <laughs> we always we always make everything go long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, I, I have great hopes for this one. <laughs> but again, like all of the idolatry ones, I always get a little nervous, a little apprehensive, like, well, this could go sour. But I, you know, we've got a great group and, and we've got lots of uh, different things. But this one, as I was, uh, I was researching it and studying it and everything, it's like, Kind of that that old adage right there's 12 rabbis and 13 opinions so we've, we've got a lot of <laughs> different takes on what this pollution of the temple looks like in the last days but um as you were reading this section what like stood out to you what is the pollution of the temple what is Avraham referring to um in in reference to all of the prophecies of the past what does that look like what what do we have in store for us in in the latter days Well, I was listening as I was cleaning to Avraham to his Q&A, and I actually didn't really hear a whole lot because I was vacuuming for part of the time, but I did hear this part and it was like, huh, when he said that it's assumed that when you get your temple recommend that you're on that path to repentance. And, and I just thought, how, I can't remember exactly what his wording was. Maybe you guys remember. And I just thought, how many people think that? Like, how long did I just think, oh, I got my recommend. Do you know what I mean? And there's oftentimes, you know, because it says it in the temple, that God will not be mocked. And so it's like, how many of us are here? And then am I here when I shouldn't? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so... And then what is that? I've thought about that. What is the pollution of the temple? I don't know. Those are just some thoughts. <clears throat> yeah, I remember him saying that. And it's interesting that that stood out to me as well. And I think the, the words he used was, when you receive your temple recommend it's you're under the assumption that you have retained a remission of your sins yep. and you know going into the scriptures and bench um and how it's interesting because when you retain a remission of your sins you it's almost like you're you have your baptism of fire and holy ghost and then when you go to the temple specifically when joseph smith uh in section 109 they mention even more like we're, we're wanting this because we want a fullness of the Holy ghost. So it's almost like we're on that path is what you're saying. There's the event of getting uh, a remission of your sins, but going into the temple is to receive even a fullness of the Holy ghost. So I thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's very interesting. And uh, always kind of taking the, the look and opinion at our own selves and going, Okay, here's the prophecies, and Lord, is it I? Like, um, where where am I at on this path, and um, am I in some small way polluting the temple um, by not enough preparation, or maybe a wrong attitude, maybe lackadaisical, whatever it might be, um, to this and and things. But but yeah, uh, I really love that the the event and um, uh, our own 
experiences there? What what is our our desire for motivation for for going to the temple? Is it just the recommend, uh, just the outward appearance kind of thing of it? Yeah. So we have some pretty solemn prophecies, right? <laughs> the the I think the chief of which is uh, Isaiah chapter one. Like it's 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 the one that really stood out to me the most as uh, I was first diving into Isaiah, going, "Whoa! How have I never read this or understood it?" Um, but where he he begins, "Hear, O heavens! Give heed, O earth!" This is talking to everyone. Um, the ox knows its owner, the ass its master stall, but Israel does not know. My people are insensible. Um, let's see. I mean, the, the whole chapter one is um, about uh, our worship and, and how it's uh, a mockery kind of a thing. For, and verse, uh-huh. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. So for uh, like verse 11, for what purpose are your abundant sacrifices to me, says Jehovah? I have had my fill of offerings of rams and fat of fatted beast and the blood of bulls and sheep and he goats i do not want when you come to see me who requires you to trample my court so bring no more worthless offerings to me they are a loathsome incense to me as for convening meetings at the new month and on the sabbath wickedness with the solemn gathering i cannot prove your monthly and week regular meetings my soul detests like everything is just a scathing review <laughs> the end times right it's like whoa lord is it i and and if it is like what do i need to fix how can i um better do this for myself and be an example build zion and uh not pollute the temple and the temple is such a an important uh piece of the the preparations for the second coming well you read that and you think why does he even like us yeah. <laughs> I mean, his bride is kind of worthless. <laughs> it's like, why, why hasn't he given up on us? Because <laughs> he's covenanted he with us? us. I know, but you read that and you're like, oh my gosh, I, you want to say I feel worthless. And then you think, you know, we are nothing, but the, you know, the dirt where we are nothing. And yet God loves us. And I can't remember where that is in scripture, probably lots of places, but. Yeah. It's quite remarkable, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as I was looking, I was reading through some of the, some of Ezekiel, because he had referenced a lot of Ezekiel. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, lots of thoughts, but just, um, but Ezekiel 7, 22, you know, he's saying, my face will I turn also from them and they shall pollute my secret place for the robbers shall enter into it and defile it. And, uh, and that kind of, I, I didn't turn to it. I didn't have, um, make it there yet, but just the, I don't know why it just kind of remind me of the, in DNC where essentially in my house, it shall begin, you know, type verbiage. And um, anyways, uh, just, and, and, I, and I hadn't really thought of that before as far as Doctrine and Covenants, like at maybe, you know, tying it into the like pollution of the temple or defilement and in going along with that. Um, 
but it just to me it kind of like showing you know what happened at that time and how just kind of confirmation that it does repeat itself you know and uh yeah yeah as far as exactly what that looks like I I'm not sure but yeah there's a lot of things in here that it is good to to ask and like Alethea was pointing out what Avraham was saying in his zoom call that's that was what stood out to me too and it was kind of a oh ouch like lord is it I because I I know I've been guilty of that like you know even when I first got my temple recommend it was just I'm more just doing it because that was tradition I it's sad like I yeah anyways <laughs> Yeah. And as you were talking, it made me think of, you know, I don't know what you had just read in Isaiah and what the remedy is for all of this. I, I don't know. I always go back to Leviticus 26. I love Leviticus 26. And that is the blessings and the cursings of keeping the Sabbath day holy. Um, and if you if you recall, I mean, when that first came up, remember, they kept saying you need to keep the Sabbath day holy. And then I don't know if it was in general conference. We were told that we prayed and we asked the Lord, what is it we need to teach the church? And I think that started under President Monson, didn't it? Uh -huh, Keeping yeah. the Sabbath day President holy. President Monson was leading it in the quorum, but it was during President Monson's presidency. Yeah. Right. And they said the only thing the Lord said was keep the Sabbath day holy. So it's just interesting, you know, and there's other places where um, the blessings and cursings are written of keeping the Sabbath day. I just like Leviticus 26 because it's more complete. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just so it just kind of came full circle that maybe it is all about keeping the Sabbath day holy, not just keeping it holy. But in in doing that, it changes us. And it enters into us and it changes us every day. And that's, I don't know. I'm just, my, my brain was just working through on that. I love it. Um, this is like such a tangent <laughs> with that. But um, uh, last night I was watching uh, my local synagogue. It was on a Zoom because I couldn't get there in time. But um, the, the synagogue Shabbat service. And she broke down the word holy and what each letter represents and, and all of that and, and what it really means to be holy. And uh, she was tying it into to Sabbath worship and, and things. And it was like, whoa, I am not doing it right. Even though like I'm trying and I'm doing good things, I apparently, but like, oh, there's so much more I can be doing if I really want to be holy unto the Lord. Kind of thing. Like it, it was really good. That's so funny because um, last night I was just thinking, Kurt and I went and saw a movie and um, this girl went to Shabbat. She was just trying out different religions and she went to Shabbat and my brain was running and I thought, I really liked that time when we went to Shabbat. Would it be weird if we start going to Shabbat now? So it's funny that you said that you've been attending it, huh? Yeah, I've been going. I, last week was my first week and then uh, this week I, I could, because I work in the temple on Fridays and so it's it's clear over in Pocatello from Twin Falls and so I have to like make a flying trip over there and last night I just didn't make it but they did do it on Facebook live so I was able to to watch it and yeah. sing along and everything. 
Cameron, so, what was your big take home? Um, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. What was it that you felt that they were able to teach you about observing that holy day? Or becoming holy. Sorry. <laughs> that, that it's all about bringing peace to to every single relationship on the day. Like they won't even do any acts of creation on a Sabbath because that's not what it's for. The, the day of rest is the day. It, it's not necessarily rest as in sleep and lounge around kind of a thing. It's the holy work. It's it's the atonement work. And that's what she was basically saying without saying atonement. It's, it's the day where we reach down into the depths of Sheol and bring peace back to the earth bring back and and redeem and and sacrifice all that we are in order to to save our own souls and, and those around us kind of a thing um and she tied that in with with the hebrew letters and, and how the different significance of it and everything i was like peace i, I <laughs> it's literally what our prophets are talking about and because last week's shabbat service was all about peace as well and, and it was just so interesting that this is such a recurring theme in, you know, like the, the Lord just keeps drilling certain principles, you know, in your own mm -hmm. personalized lesson plan and peace is the one. And I thought I had peace. Like I didn't really, I don't feel like a lack of peace, but more and more, I, it's just being drilled and like putting blatantly in my face, peace, seek actual peace, turn your life into a Sabbath. Um, in this specific way kind of thing that's what I took away from it but and isn't that what Christ said my peace I give unto you my peace I leave with you is that what it was yeah that's interesting mm -hmm. and then <laughs> what's that I don't know I've been singing the one song all day long or whatever I don't even know necessarily what it is but um, it's a he the one from Shabbat or another yeah. Hebrew song yeah, the one from Shabbat or whatever. Okay. It, the, the translation is roughly, may the one, may the one, may the one who makes peace bring peace down, bring peace down. Um, anyway, it, it's such a beautiful song. That one and then the the two angels of the Sabbath, Shalom Aleichem song, like I've had those in my head like all day uh, this morning. <laughs> it's been so fun. But uh, all about peace, like it just comes down to that, that one thing, actually being true peacemakers. And then our first presidency, so wow, are, are presenting that at general conference, saying, "Hey, this is the time. Uh, we are going to be robbed of peace, and unless we consciously make the effort in our temples, in our worship service, if we're just bringing bullocks and fatted lambs and stuff, if we're still doing all of the sinning and transgressing, and not worrying about peace, we're worrying about the wrong thing." Well, Cameron, the bullocks and the rams are the outward observances. Peace is calling us to inward observances. Yeah. Uh, peace is a godly power. Yeah, I love that. And, and it's just so needed right now. It's very timely, isn't it? I was listening to a Jordan Peterson podcast yesterday. He was interviewing a doctor that had been persecuted during COVID, but it was interesting because he said something at the end. He said, those who speak truth always have more power. 
and those who don't fall. And, and it just struck me because what I heard was those who speak with love. And I was like, I have to go back and hear that. And when I heard it, it was truth, but all, all truth comes from God and truth, you know, God's God is love. Right. So I just thought that was interesting. And it just goes back to, to peace, you know, peace and love and truth. Are they not all interconnected? They are, but we're in a world where truth can be increasingly dangerous. Mm -hmm. Those that speak truth can be turned upon very quickly. But um, when you know, when you, when you know the truth, you can still just speak with love. You don't have to always, I don't know. The Holy Ghost will guide us in what to say and when to say it. Absolutely. It is God's power to be able to speak his truth through the spirit. But we're in a world now, and I'm not saying we're not supposed to speak the truth. We are. We're supposed to stand on holy ground and speak truth. But in this day and age, those people are the ones that are going to be targeted as, the, as that polarization continues to occur. But what's so amazing is we can do that and still have peace. Mm -hmm. If, you know, I mean, countless examples of prophets and people speaking truth, God's truth, and it didn't go so well for them, but they had peace and it's astonishing. So... Right. No, God's truth can be unfortunately very offensive. It to usually is. People. I have someone in my family right now who is suffering tremendously, and I would love to be able to reach mm -hmm. out to her, but she's in a place right now where I think even the mention of the word Christ would be like fingernails on a chalkboard to her. It's a very isolating place to be. How do you reach into that? You don't. It's love. It's just love. You don't even speak to it. You just love. So from a distance, she's not around me. I can pray. And I can help support those who are trying to support her right now. Because those people reach out to me. Mm -hmm. And so I can offer them support. Yeah. Yeah. So I did find the version of the song, not to be, it's still on. No, I want to hear it. <laughs> anyway, um, it, it's just so beautiful. I love this. But this is the, the tune that uh, she was singing last night. There's quite a few different tunes if you were to, to search this out. Mm -hmm. Oh, the audio is not coming through really well. Not coming through for oh, me either. 
Oh, sorry. Yeah, but I usually having... asked that right at the beginning. <laughs> I should have. Well, I, I, I was waiting to see if it got better. Something was yeah, going I on. It was my internet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's better. Very better. <laughs> radio station on my pandora and i have i don't know i have a christian rock and i have the hymns maybe now i need to go get the jewish rock radio station oh, <laughs> Until you there's, there's so many good jewish songs like seriously that one and the uh, shalom aleichem uh, so they they have this um thing on shabbat that there's two angels that come and minister in each household and and stuff like that um and it's this Thank you for bringing peace into our lives, the, the, the kind of praise to the Lord for sending angels to watch over us on Shabbat. And anyway, both of those songs, like I'm just like tearing up and stuff. And like mm -hmm. <laughs> these Jews are like, I don't know, we probably heard the songs like a million times. It probably doesn't affect us as much anymore. But I'm like, holy cow, these songs are so beautiful. And, and the message. And the thing is, yes, the English part gets me. But, but now that I know a little bit of Hebrew and hearing it in the Hebrew tongue, like it, it just means so much more. Like it, it gets my feels for some reason. I don't know why, but anyway, I, I just love those two songs. We all need to I go on a trip. <laughs> the Holy Land. <laughs> Have you guys, do you guys follow Emily Bell Freeman on Instagram? She's there right now. She's been all over. She actually fell and broke her ankle on the Jesus trail. <laughs> but she was at the Sea of Galilee. She's going all these places and like she took me with her when I get to watch this every day. Oh. Mm -hmm. Go follow her. She she does the day-to-day -day stuff in her stories, not in a post. So those stories only stay up for 24 hours. Mm -hmm. But it's oh, it's makes you just want to go right now and <laughs> it experience it yeah. <laughs> i wanted to thank you cameron for sharing about how the sabbath is reserved for creation not for creation every other day is creation right mm -hmm. because that makes a lot more sense i had kind of mentioned that we went to a conference and there were these this jewish couple and we had to paint a, it was, we started on friday afternoon and we had to paint this picture together and they couldn't paint. They had to tell the person how to paint for them. They couldn't write. They had to tell the people to take their notes, you know, and all this. And it was like, 
what the heck? And we talked to them and they were like, yeah, we don't cook. Everything's on timers. We cook the day before our lights. We can't turn the light switches on. We're like, you just have workarounds, right? Like you have everything on timers, but now that makes sense why they couldn't create a painting, why you can't write. And so it's maybe kind of to the extreme, but it just makes a little bit more sense how they went off on that for the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, kind of went off on the, that on the Sabbath train to not cook or do, unless I'm ministering, then I'll do it. If I'm making something for the missionaries it's it's different but it's really changed my sabbath day making sure every single thing is ready for the week and it's hard not having the day to help get ready you know even more it's like i need another day to get ready for everything Mm -hmm. it's it's it takes a sacrifice big time because I also use my Saturday to go to the temple. And then those weeks, nothing gets done hardly. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I have to just keep remembering that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's okay. Mm-hmm. that Everything's not getting done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of things to be learned from the manner of the Jews, even, you know, modern traditions of, of Jews as well and, and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that, that's one that, that's really hit me hard lately is, is the Sabbath day observance in, yeah, looking at it from a different perspective, from a different uh, religious uh, paradigm and seeing what good there is and, and what I might need to incorporate in, into my own. Question was was the was the temple open on to the Jews? That's one uh, I've wanted to answer to. I don't know. Yeah. Does anybody know any references or where we might be able to find that? Like in antiquity, um, was the temple open on the Sabbath day? That's what your question was, right? Yeah. Yeah. You said it better. <laughs> Was the temple open on the Sabbath or is that something that like shut down? I know, you know, like I was just reading the other day or whatever, like the, uh, you can only travel or walk 2000 cubits, like the Sabbath day journey kind of thing, you know, on, on the Sabbath, but, and, and 2000 cubits, because that's the measurement from the, the temple courts to the outermost part of the, the thing. And so I have to wonder if they did at least travel to the temple but i don't know i i've wanted to answer that same question this week that would have been a question to ask avraham even though it's not in isaiah yeah he probably would know that yeah dang it i have to wait another like four months (laughs) (laughs) write it down so you you know plenty of experts you know a lot of experts cameron (laughs) ask rodolfo he'll have a lot to say about it there you Uh, go that's one thing. Yeah, I should just ask this rabbi and see what she says. So, oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, ask the rabbi. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you just ask the Jews themselves? <laughs> yeah. So it was interesting because she's like a reformed Jewish person or whatever. But, um, uh, like I said, the the holy, uh, what what does she even call it? Oh, I forget that word. But anyway, it's kind of like their "Come Follow Me" program or whatever. But, um, so the 
the teaching on the word holy or whatever. She was going into like Kabbalistic and uh, Jewish meditation aspects of the letters and everything. And uh, she was doing like some deep ancient history on uh, some of that stuff. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, if, if she knows all that kind of stuff, like I definitely want to pick her brain on, on tons of things. So I, I'm going to be- like an awesome friend. source. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so Cameron, can we have some new uh, speakers for the Hebrew class? I, I, that's what I'm working on. That's why I'm going to different synagogues and, and trying to find some some different rabbis and things that would help mm -hmm. us out with our Hebrew learning as well. That would be awesome. So as we're at the end of modern idolatry, I'm just wondering if the answer is the Sabbath day. Yeah, because it's a, a great indicator of where your heart's at. If you're keeping the Sabbath day properly, you're keeping all the rest, right? Like it comes down to the two great commandments, isn't it? So it's the, it's the antidote to idolatry. Absolutely. That's such a good thought. So mm -hmm. what is our Sabbath day and what does it need to look like? Uh, and like introspectively, Lord, is it I? How can I not be polluting the temple, the churches, the meeting houses, and actually resting, do entering into God's holy work? Today? What does that look like? And, and how can we be better? Show you my, I want to show you my Sabbath candles. Oh, yes. how pretty. Is, is that olive wood? Yeah. And so we light these every Sabbath and one's to remember and one's to keep. One's to remember God. It's a Jewish tradition. And one is to keep the Sabbath day holy. So we have those on our table mm -hmm. to keep that we keep lit all day so we can remember to keep so where them. Did you get that tradition because like the Jews light their two candles and stuff. Is that from that? No, do you know what? I actually um, found it out from Emily Bell Freeman. Oh, uh huh. You going back to her again? They taught it on their "Come Follow Me, Don't Miss This," and she says that she has these. And I thought, do you know? I love that. Yeah, I love that. And so, and the woman lights them. The woman mm -hmm. of the house lights them and says a prayer over them. So, and you can actually find the prayer online as well. Mm -hmm. But that's Maybe. what we. Maybe Emily got it from the Jews. She did when she, because she goes to Israel a lot. So yeah, she, so yeah, yeah, it is a Jewish tradition then. Yeah, it is. And I love it. I just think it's amazing. So you can, I actually bought these on Amazon. Uh -huh. <laughs> I love it. Because I'm not going to Israel anytime soon. <laughs> I was going to say that might be an excuse to go, Cameron. <laughs> Yeah, let's have a book club tour of Israel. Everybody starts to know. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? Yes. Oh, my yeah. husband's been wanting to go for years. And my friend that's on her mission right now, they come back in October. She taught ancient she taught ancient Hebrew at BYU. Wow. And they've been over, I think they've been over three times now. And my husband told her one time, I want to go with you. And she's like, yep, but we haven't gone. Mm -hmm. So. You love what Barbara think said the other night about um, that we've probably got a smattering of the tribes in us, even though, you know, and he said that he inherited the blessings of Ephraim, but he believes he's got some of the Judah tribe because of his pull to 
Judaism. And I feel that too, you know, because I, I really resonate with that because I love the Jewish traditions and I, you know, and how they, and I just admire them so much for their, um, oh, I can't think of the word I want to use, but their dedication. And so, yeah, that really resonated with me when he said that. I loved it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so here's just kind of like the video from the Shabbat service or whatever, like that you said, like the woman of the house is, is lighting the candles. They invite, when you're doing it in synagogue, just uh, they ask a, a, a mother uh, in the crowd to, to come and light those. And they have like a special tradition in the Reformed um, where they have to like close their eyes for, uh, she explains why, but like uh, that they, they close their eyes and, and when your eyes open, it is now the Shabbat uh, kind of a thing. Well, anyway. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that was one thing that I did not get out of this reading or whatever, was that it, it all comes down to, to Sabbath day observance and, and our, our place in that. Because I was, I was, you know, hyper-focusing on our modern temple kind of structure and stuff, but um, really looking at, at what we do on a weekly basis. You know, our, our weekly offerings are to offer up a, a broken heart and a contrite spirit, uh, keeping the Sabbath day holy and letting that last throughout the week, and then coming in and renewing that um, is very profound, right? Like, this mm -hmm. is this is where it's at. And how many of us, like, <laughs> how many Sunday worship services have I been to in my life, and how many times have I went to the sacrament altar in the proper way, the proper mindset to offer up my broken heart and contrite spirit? Yeah, I mean, the percentage is, is measly, right? Like, ah, it, it's so hard to remember. We're just so prone to forget and uh, get busy in our day-to-day our -day lives and stuff. But that's what the Lord needs from his bride, right? He needs a bride who has her, her eyes fixed upon him, realizing the absolute need for her bridegroom to save her to redeem her, like the four cups of the, the Passover. Um, oh, that's just hit me in a whole new way that I wasn't expecting. So my brain just goes all the time. And as you were saying that- <laughs> I don't believe it. <laughs> as you were saying that, in my mind, I envisioned Martha and Mary. Like he needs this kind of a bride. And how often are we the, even at church, we're the ones that are being the Martha. What do I have to do? I'm bored. How many video games do you see played at church? I'm not trying to judge. I'm really not. I'm I know. <laughs> and and your mind just wanders and and what he needs is us to be the Mary at church, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love what you said, Cameron, that he yeah. needs a bride who has her eyes fixed upon him because that is love. Mm -hmm. And that's why it reminded me of Mary, right? Because she was sitting at his feet, listening and fixed upon him while Martha was busy doing all the other things in the house. She wasn't fixed. I think that's what it was that made me think of them, the difference, what bride he needs. 
I listened to an interesting podcast this week that mentioned Mary and Martha and said that the Lord was there for both of them in what they needed, that Martha, when her brother had died, approached the Lord and had the same faith as Mary did. They both believed that her bro their brother would not die had he been there, but Martha needed to, he, she stood side by side with the Lord so that she could speak to him. She needed to be spoken to. Whereas Mary, who also felt the same way that her brother would not die, she fell to her knees and wept. And so her need was to express that emotional component of the loss of her brother. And it was an interesting discussion of the word groaning, the word because Jesus wept and he groaned within himself. And that word groan in Hebrew is very synonymous with actually being angry, but also something, it doesn't necessarily mean he was angry, but also something that you feel so strongly and so deeply. So it was a really interesting discussion of that moment of those two sisters and him being present to both of them. Uh, reminds me of the verse in Third Nephi when Christ is blessing the children and he groans. That just, yeah, fits so. Cameron, we need to do a really deep dive into that Hebrew word. I think that might help illuminate our minds as we read through those scriptures. Thank you for remembering that. Yeah. yeah. So another interesting dive with that, because I've taken that deep dive before. Um, take a look when the earth groans um, in itself for its its creation. Um, uh, wow. It's interesting. I, I you know I haven't done the actual Hebrew word study on when the earth is groaning, like if it's if it's the same Hebrew root there, but um, at least in the English back when I did my word study, it was way before I woke up to lots of things. Um, but yeah, there, there's very heavy parallels with the earth groaning. Um, and with the earth groaning and Christ groaning? Uh-huh, yeah. Okay. Can you illuminate um, us a little bit? And with, with the earth groaning, because the earth is groaning because of the wickedness that's upon mm -hmm. her face. And, mm -hmm. um, and so it is kind of like a a covenantal realization, I would guess I would say. So uh, before the curse, there's a groaning before it um, in order to deconstruct and recreate the, the cutting of a covenant and the, the sealing it back together. There has to be a groaning. There's, there's a, a tearing within one's soul that happens kind of a thing. So does that have to go with a broken heart? That's what I would peg it to, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. And almost more so a, a contrite spirit that yeah. our spirit actually has to, to groan. Right. Wow. Wow. I like that. Yeah, that's what well, when when Christ was when Jesus was um, uh, on the cross and, and died, then all creation, not just the earth, but all the creation groaned for him. Mm -hmm. 
that had been that had happened to him. Yeah. And and you know, this is such a weird thing. I know that <laughs> I'm like so much tangent today where we're, we're <laughs> getting on the loose in the temple, but um there I can't even describe it, but I realized this the other day again. Um that there's a few different things that make me groan within myself. Like I, I've actually, I, I've felt it before. And um, I'm this trying to like, 30 second message. songs, but there's, there's one song. Um, oh, I'm just like completely blanking on Nashville tribute band, I think. Um, but it's where uh, it's the story of Emma and um, how much can one heart take um, every time that that verse is sung, like I groan within myself. I don't know why, but like it happens. Um, and uh, there was another song this last week that, and again, I, I'm just blanking on which songs and stuff, but it's when somebody's pushed to their limits that they just can't anymore. For some reason, my, my whole soul just groans. Like it just, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. it. It's something very spiritual. It's not something physical. Um, but but there's a, a spiritual groaning that happens when someone is pushed to their utter limits. Someone else outside of you is pushed to their utter limits and is about ready to snap or or break apart, crumble kind of thing that causes my soul to, to groan within itself kind of a thing. And so um, it's very interesting here that we're talking about it and I just really had that thing happen this last week where I'm like, oh, that's my soul groaning. And I didn't know that all these years, like I, I'd have like this. Uh, what did I just lose but I, audio? But yeah. Wow. That's so that's weird. I lost the audio. It just came back. You said it's so interesting. What? And then Tracy started laughing and I'm like, I missed it. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, let's see. It's so interesting that 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 just happened this week, that I had that realization that that's what's been happening all these years because because the spirit told me that's your soul groaning. Um, and I, I just knew that I felt it before, but I didn't know what it was. What what do you think, like, is do you think that's like true mourning or like, what would you call that? Like, that's beautiful. It feels very Christ-like. And, and uh, a lot of times um, I have it, as well because I always thought it was because my mom taught me this uh early on that that she felt the same thing but she she feels it as her her bowels being filled with compassion right uh, like, mercy it, it's yeah like, that's what and, I think it, it, very similar expressions kind of coming from uh I think male female perspective um uh, of ways to describe the same feeling kind of thing but um ways to describe the what to describe the same feeling um, oh okay we both have it but we kind of describe it we feel it in different mm -hmm. ways almost mm -hmm. um, it resonates at different frequencies but um uh the widow of name that story like i can't like I, anytime i hear it starting i'm like i can't be around people because <laughs> i'm gonna lose it <laughs> like that story affects me so deeply that that my soul just like groans <laughs> so hard and and it just I don't know sometimes like when you hit a certain point and and you just can't control your emotions anymore that's the widow of name story that that <laughs> like <laughs> those two stories get me every time 
So that kind of reminds me of uh, just this little point that in the chapter stood out to me. Um, just the the latter day, no, the, okay. So he's talking about the people, um, sorry. Oh, where was it? He's talking about people who sighed and wept continually because of the abominations in their midst. Um, it's the very last of the second paragraph. And yeah, and then at the, he kind of the la very last sentence is where today where today are the few who weep for the sins and abominations in their midst, and while it's not necessarily like looking for, I mean I think it's kind of that same feeling, of, uh, and, and it, you know you see it in in beautiful examples, uh, in the scriptures of these prophets who, and, and it kind of seems like a similar feeling of like, you know, you're watching what's happening and their concern isn't to, to judge or condemn, you know, or just like, what's wrong with you people? But yet, I mean, I'm sure there may be some of that, but, but more that feeling of just like, they are so just gut, it's gut-wrenching to, witness and watch what's happening and just because because they know what is happening to these souls or will happen or you know the the loss of these souls who are who are doing it sorry i'm not making sense but that just really stood out to me and it kind of feels like that similar feeling of that you're describing you know and and i feel like that is that is like a true follower of Christ who sees the condition of someone, whether they're, they're suffering, whether they are by their own choices, you know, bringing on this condemnation and stuff, but it's this gut-wrenching feeling and the weeping and the sorrow, you know, that, that feeling you have for these people. Anyways. I, yeah i'm struck that there's two kinds of groanings yeah oh, there's mostly the groaning like, oh. yeah there's mostly the groaning of compassion that we hear of of pain for the other person but then cameron you mentioned the groaning that christ felt for the children well they weren't they weren't doing anything wrong his i don't know what that groaning was it i think it was like a groaning of love maybe a groaning of sorrow, knowing what they were going to go through, I, you know, in this earth life, I don't know, but yet they lived at a beautiful time mm -hmm. after, you know, where the people just changed. So I don't think that's well, what it was. I wonder how much of it is he's groaning. Cause you kind of mentioned anger, Cameron. And it, I, I've always kind of felt like that groaning was like, <laughs> kind of like what, what have they done to you <laughs> type groaning? Like, and I, and I can, I could, you know, and as a parent, it's been really humbling. I remember reading that last time and going, oh my gosh, what would he do if he was holding my child? Would he be just like, oh, like just thinking just that, that depth of 
yeah, I mean, strongly, deeply feeling what, I don't know, anger could be a good word for it, of what you're on has been something. done. Yeah, I just can't, like, I'm not good at verbalizing But see, it. these were the more righteous people. So you think he was groaning for and their children because of how they've been treated? Any child raised on this earth. Exactly. Any child. Exactly. And yeah, and, and, and that's what I, I think we, oh, the level of, the level of iniquity and all the stuff that we pass down and how much of it we don't even realize. Yes. It's just, it's, it's a, it's a, it's death. It's the opposite of life, you know, uh, you know, adding to this condition. Yeah. Um, you. Beautifully articulated. Thank you. I wanted I was, to. Oh, no, that's okay. Go ahead. Go I go wanted ahead. to add a dimension to the groaning, possibly. Um, I have just learned this year, I experience a lot of groaning in the night. And I have come to learn that that is when the Lord tries to speak to me. And at first, I didn't know what it was. And so I felt like I wanted to resist it. Like, I just want to feel peaceful. Why do I feel like this? And I resisted it for a long time. But one night, I gave within the period of this year, it was actually last year, but it's not many months ago, I was with that. There's no words that come with it. It's beyond words. I, so I can't describe it, but I was with it and I was with it. I continued to be present and present. And then after four hours, I, I'm gonna say I gave birth. <laughs> Two, <laughs> I think the women are going to smile on that, on that imagery. I gave birth to a very profound personal revelation with words that I needed to say precisely. I jumped out of bed and I went directly to my computer and I sent the email with those words. As the day continued, more came. So what I have learned is that when I'm groaning, I need to pay close attention. Sometimes it's my own spirit trying to wake me up. So I am woke up in the night, but trying to wake me up to something that I need to pay attention to. Oh, Lisa, that's amazing. That's what I'm saying. I'm wondering if there's more to groaning than just the compassion and the anger. Like there's more. Yeah, there's more to groaning. There's something to be burst. <laughs> That's... It's very much a travail. And I think women can relate to the travail of giving birth to higher forms of consciousness. It is not easy. Are you just curious? Are you, are you kind of in an in-between state of consciousness and unconsciousness when that happens Lisa or do you feel like you're fully awake 
I am very awake. Uh, it wakes me up, literally. Uh, so it is waking me up. But many times the, the Lord speaks to me when I am asleep, but it's through the dreams and through the images. But in the groaning, um, uh, in the instance of groaning, I, I, it wakes me up. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So my mind is just kind of like pondering upon that groaning and what what it is, what it looks like, because uh, like Alethea says, it, this is new, like this is, it has many different dimensions when I wasn't even focused on the one, <laughs> but but looking at it and seeing that it's kind of a, a multifaceted thing, but that the groaning is a, a shared experience with the Savior in, in a way that like here here's where my mind goes it goes to get and the groanings that happen there and and when he groans for us uh, many times we say that he weeps for us and, and stuff like that but like when he groans is that his physical act of eradicating the the things is he sending out that vibration to um to erase our pains and our hurts and our injustices that we suffer? Is it, is it his holy Christ way of, of doing that or, or something? I don't know. But, and then are we as co-creators with him as his bride given small portions of that to, to experience on our own as we learn and grow to, to become his kind of a thing? I, I don't know if I'm, saying that right but like I can only imagine like I as we were talking about these different experiences and stuff I tried to go back to Gethsemane and not somewhat experience my own groanings but to their infinite degree right that that he was groaning his bowels filled with compassion and mercy all of this stuff for each of us in that moment and that we are kind of the the ripples or the after effects um of that i don't know i'm not articulating it because there's like really no words right it's a, a new kind of experience or an idea but no i think you did very well uh, it doesn't really fit into simple worship but <laughs> maybe it does maybe we'll we'll find out here in a while that whoa that has everything to do with uh, temple mm -hmm. worship and, and everything and um, for the proxies that we're going through for uh, being able to groan mm -hmm. for them to to release to to change their lives in some way where we have a physical body interacting as proxy for them or something I don't know yes and what you said about Darlene's groanings coming from her bowels that's how she experiences it it's a very deep experience I think it's a very soul thing the groan doesn't come from your mind it's literally emanating from some very deep place. So I've been looking up in third Nephi, wanting to see where he groaned for the children. I can't find it. No, is that something that we just, <laughs> I think so it says, and it came to pass that when Jesus had made a pray end of praying, let's see, where was that? Let me just make sure. Um, So he blessed them because blessed are ye because of your faith. And now behold, my joy is full. 
And when he had said these words, he wept and the multitude bare record of it. And he took their little children one by one and blessed them and prayed unto them, Father, for them. And when he had done this, he wept again. And he spake unto the multitude and said unto them, Behold your little ones. And so then they all looked about and they were encircled in the midst of fire. Oh, shoot. Where was uh, it? Right there. Third Nephi 17. Jesus groaned within himself. Where is it? What verse? That's where Third I'm at. Nephi. Okay. Uh, 14. And it came to pass that when they had knelt upon the ground, Jesus groaned within himself and said, Father, I am troubled because of the wickedness of the people of the house of Israel. Yes, that's the only place oh, that found it. Okay. So okay, place. so it's and yeah, then so he he commanded, to the children. No, and it came to pass that he commanded that their little children should be brought. So we so in twelve they they brought their little children and set them down upon the ground. Jesus stood in the midst. And it came mm -hmm. to pass that when they had all been brought and Jesus stood in the midst, he commanded the multitude that they should kneel down upon the ground. So Jesus is in the midst of the children mm -hmm. and he, and he commands everybody to kneel down. And when it came uh -huh. down, okay. So, and, and then he said, and then he groans because of the wickedness the of wicked. the house of Israel. Is he groaning because he's comparing them to the house of Israel? Like they could have had this. And I'm troubled that they didn't get what they, you were. They are the house of Israel. They're just a remnant of it. I think yeah. I think he is groaning because of something to do with those children being in a fallen world that even no matter how they're being raised, I think that it that's why he's groaning. It's yeah. for me to articulate, I think. And I think well, it, I ahead. just went to the footnote of troubled because it says he was troubled, right? Mm -hmm. um, it talks about salvation, great sorrow to Alma because of the iniquity among his people. Um, third Nephi 17, 20, he said unto them, blessed are you because of your faith. Now behold, my joy is full. Uh, it sorroweth me because of the fourth generation from this generation, they're led away captive. Um, and then Enoch so, looked upon their wickedness and their misery and wept and stretched forth his arms. So anyways, those are just kind of the, the gist of what those hmm. verses that go with troubled are. But I think like as far as, yeah, he's groaning for the, the for yeah. Israel. And I do the house of Israel, which the whole house of Israel, right? I'm sure he's just... Yeah. It's awful. <laughs> um, but even though they were counted, you know, those people immediately around him were counted as a more righteous part, you know, I, they're still like, oh my gosh. And I, and just thinking of that, what that looks like today or will look like for us in a similar situation, like this second Nephi 2014 has just totally stood out to me, you know, because he talk, he's talking about, I um, mean, he's going through talking about all of the, the pride, abominations, wickedness, whoredoms. And he says, they have all gone astray, save it be a few who are the fo humble followers of Christ. Nevertheless, they are led that in many instances they do err because they are taught by the precepts of men. So I think it's that same thing. Like then they were the few 
humble followers of Christ, but nevertheless, they do err, you know, because of the precepts of men. And I, it's the same with us. And I think that is just, yeah, that makes sense that that would be a, just that groaning, like, oh my gosh, this house of Israel, his bride, like, oh, <laughs> yeah. It's almost like he's groaning that we, I mean, he, we know about the plan of salvation. That's the path. But is he groaning because that's the path we have to go on? Because when you think of who we were before in the preexistence as valiant fighters, and then we come down here in a fallen world that he's groaning because even the righteous, the ones you just read about, were still taught wrongly by the traditions of the, the precepts of men, traditions of fathers. Is it a groaning that we even have to go through this more? You know, not, I mean, not that he doesn't want us to, but just the compassion of understanding how hard it is. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Like, I, you know, that would I'm make sense that he would feel that for, for people, mm -hmm. you know, just like, yeah, especially knowing, knowing our potential, you know, mm -hmm. just how painful that is to like, oh, you have. <laughs> Well, you do that with your kids. I did it with my yeah. son the other night. Everything's going wrong. His car's breaking. They got a car for her, but it's in the shop and they are borrowing a car and somebody rear-ended her and they had no insurance. I mean, it, and he's just like, the more I try to get ahead, the farther behind, you know, and he was just crying and, and my heart just aches for him. But I know this is life and we go through these things and we'll overcome and, and my heart ached for him as he wept and he doesn't weep. And is Christ that same way? Like, I'm so sad. This is your learning and your growing and it's hard. Mm -hmm. And, and he groans for us. Mm -hmm. He definitely compassion. has compassion for us. Yeah. That compassion yeah. and that groaning. And I wish you didn't have to go through this, but you do. Yeah. I don't know. Mm so interesting things i had never i mean like i'd kind of considered but like i didn't have the a bigger perspective on it i guess but so interesting what does tracy say i think the groaning is because of the hundreds of thousands of children yes gosh yeah did you guys just see that it came out um that the united states i kind of saw it on the epic times the united states is government which i've said is one of the big traffickers. That's what's happening at the southern Our border. Our entire government, that's what Washington, D.C. is. It's full yeah. of tunnels and they're linked everywhere. It's Well, I think that's horrific. a lot of what the foster care program is. I know a lot of good people that it do is. fostering, but how many children do they lose in the, how do you lose children in the foster care program? Well, I have helped shut down three Tens of thousands. mega foster homes where they child sexual abuse the foster people they choose are predators I yeah. see it real time in my job I have a little girl right now she told me I asked her what she did over the weekend last Monday I went to lunch with all my uncles I no. know what they're doing and I'm trying to get that home I just don't have enough to report but they love to take these kids and, and then they just disappear. 
They do. I know what's happening. <laughs> yeah. It's and it's hard because you have to have the evidence. You can't just say it's my gut feeling, right? Yeah, I've had every, the first case was um, severely disabled kiddos, intellectually disabled. And when the owners of the house would leave, their son would take them in the shower and do stuff. And the one little boy told me, and so I reported, and they got shut down right after that. Then there was the other case where they had so many kids in foster care, and they were severely mentally disabled boys. They had been horrifically abused. They were feral. They were so abused that they were catching rats on the property to eat. I mean, it was horrific oh. so they have these kids and while they're in a better place than they were they still don't realize the abuse they're still going through right and then those three boys then they had a whole bunch of little girls come in and they were sexually molesting them that house got shut down and then the third one was another case of just I remember teaching the little boy and his, his grandpa would come in and he just, the way he'd sit in his lap, just, I could tell something was wrong. Anyway, it took me a while, but I keep reporting, reporting you guys. I have a hard job. It's, it's. See, I thought you were a school watch. teacher. Why did I, I think you were? I'm a special Please. education teacher and I see kids, like I saw a kid come in off the street. This was about five years ago. He was off the street because he was sex trafficked by his parents. He was in first grade and he kept trying to, you know, do stuff with everybody. Just, he didn't know any different. And right. he thought I had to it was normal. find him a place to go to school because he, he had no idea how to be in the world. He he would solicit all of my helpers wanting, you know, to do stuff so I could get more food. He was, one day he spilled his little bag of Cheetos and he went nuts trying to pick them up. I mean, that's how starved and, oh, you guys, it's just, it's all around us. It's still here. Oh, I think it's bigger than ever. I really think it's bigger it than ever. DHS. I think every government is involved. They oh. traffic the kids. They put them purposefully in homes. I have another little girl, medically fragile. She's born. She shouldn't have even lived. And so she's on a feeding tube, can never get off of it. She's in a foster home where she got molested in the town over by the school nurse, a male school nurse. She came to my school and then I had to be really careful about always keeping two people with her at all times because she was, she's only in second grade, but she was smart enough to know she would still want that abuse to happen. She liked how it feels, but her parents wouldn't let her learn to use the bathroom. So we always had to cleaner and so she would always ask to keep wiping her but I always made sure I've had 
from then on, I've always made sure two people are always in the bathroom because she'd go home and, and say things, but yet her mom wouldn't let us potty train her. Like her mom is still abusing her. She has to be strapped down in her bed at Christmas time. She'll give her really elaborate gifts. She can play with them only for a few weeks and she'll take them away. Anyway, this mom has adopted her because of this multi-million dollar lawsuit over the sexual abuse, but she does not care about this kiddo. She's now in middle school and she's out of my control. She is treated like an animal. When the family goes on vacation, she doesn't get to go. She's just stuck. I Anyway, I have a super hard job. That's sit and watch it and try awful. to vote. And I, a lot of times there's nothing I can do. I do have this little kindergarten girl now. And I am praying so hard for her to get to go back with her dad. One of my other teachers, she told me just yesterday, I was telling her my concerns. And she said, and she is a in another religion. She said, you will not believe what happened. Uh, her husband does Bible study in their house. And she had some kids in her bedroom because their parents were Bible studying with her husband. She wasn't studying. And she said, I walked in just to check on him. And Austin, the little girl, was in there. And she actually special ed teaches that little girl as well. And I'm like, what? That's awesome because her dad was going to Bible study, but also very scary because we're not supposed to have kids like that in our homes. But she had no idea. Her husband had no idea. But I pray so hard that she can get out of that foster care. Those that mom, her I know for certain her dad was a predator. And now all these uncles I mean they were all molested by that dad they're when you're molested like that you nine times out of ten will become a predator if you're not given help and that little girl oh anyway <laughs> sorry thank you for the mental health therapy uh, I, I can't I imagine that weight of nobody knowing. has a clue what's going on that's just my little corner. The kids that well, are underground. And then when you say that they're just deliberately put in those homes over and over again, you hear about how often those men are, um, or those predators are just let loose with a slap on the wrist. They are, they're totally just let loose. Um, but the ones that are really good people, they throw the book at them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm just saying. And it makes me, it reminds me then of the Book of Mormon where all the courts are filled and they all know who each other are. Even if you don't know them, you know them. Well, and I that person supplies me with the kids. So I'm going to let him go free or whatever. I'm I have just, another kid. Um, I'm, I'm mostly just a case manager now, but I was doing an observation last. Friday before last, this little boy has very severe autism, but he's super smart. But his case manager had him 
with another boy learning the alphabet. And I was like, oh, I thought he knew how to read. And so I'm observing him and he's doing letter naming, letter sounds. He's in third grade. He's, I thought he could read. What is he doing this for? And I walk away because I'm doing a FaceTime observation because my speech and language teacher lives in California. So I was just like, well, that's weird. When I walk away, I guess he was really misbehaving. And I'm like, oh, he just likes to perform. And, and then I'm writing up his plan and I notice, gosh, he doesn't have a reading goal. Why was he in that group? And so finally, I, he's been misbehaving, just misbehaving. So finally, I ask his teacher, I'm like, hey, why don't you have a reading goal for him? And she's like, oh, he reads really well. He's reading this, 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 all these books. And I'm like, well, why is he in a group where he's just learning letter names, letter sounds? Oh, well, I need him to help this other little boy. And I'm like, ah. I said, that's not okay. I told her that yesterday. I said, that is not okay. This little boy is pretty nonverbal with high functioning autism intellectually. Yeah, he's going to act out every day. I mean, I'm watching people in my own school abuse kids. And I told on him yesterday, this is why everybody hates me because I will blow the whistle. I'm Sometimes I'm the only one watching out for the kids. That has to be and a heavy How weight. do you go to sleep in your skin, people? So I told her, and this teacher is her best friend. But I, I can't stay silent. She says, yeah, we're, we, that's probably not a good plan. I'm like, you think? Wow. <laughs> you just tended him and he's acting out because he's doing he's something he already knows how to do, y'all. Like, yeah, I would act up too. He's in a prison. Mm -hmm. He's trapped. Anyway, <laughs> it's the children. It's the way I think. The spirit tells me it's the way kids are being treated all around us. And that's that's not even sexual abuse there, but that's making our savior grown as well. Um, don't send your kids to public school. I mean, I live in a really cool spot and this is right in my community, right? People I know, people that are teaching, people that know better, um, I won't stay silent though about it. And that's part of why I don't retire. Like who's watching the children? A lot of times it's me for the special ed kids. I see. It re it reminds we need more of you. Mm -hmm. I know, but <laughs> I'm getting old. <laughs> I'm, I've been thinking about this lately about um, I read some sometime about in the millennium how people who have children, like they are just honored. Mm -hmm. Like you have you have a child, you have children. Like the children are just so valued. And I've been pondering about that lately and thinking how in this world children are so unvalued. Absolutely, what is the opposite. They're they're a burden. Uh... Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, they cramp our style. A cell phone in their hand or a tablet to take care of them. I would always get in trouble because I wouldn't do technology in my classroom. 
And I, I told someone yesterday, I am so proud of myself that I resisted that. I was yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh. Is they're severely addicted. They, well, like my speech and language therapist, she's only 26. She can't write a complete sentence. It's in text language. Her yeah. sentences are, has a learning disability, period. She's okay. capitalized the has. I'm like, I, and I have to be the grammar police too. <laughs> like Katie, you I have to write a complete sentence in your report. I, I was in the cell phone store getting my phone fixed the other day. And she was telling me, she's married with an eight-year-old. She goes, yeah, I didn't get a cell phone till I was 13. My brother got one at five oh. and I, and I was done and I walked out of the store and, you know, yeah. I just kind of laughed and I walked out of the store and I said, and you're going to be a lot better off for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyways, boy, we got off on a tangent. Yeah. Oh, but it, the, groaning, the groaning is, I think, for what is going on around us. And a lot of people think, oh, it's, I mean, you just can't see it unless you're in a trench doing the stuff. So would you say that it's a a groaning for the blood and sins of the generation type of thing then oh yeah for sure for sure they saw our day they saw what was happening and i don't you know the parts they don't know write about that's withheld so would you say that the um that as we are anointed and well i guess washed right because that's where it comes into play but and, and I get that men and women are, are different in, in the temple, right? But um, that the, the washing and becoming clean from the, the blood and sins of the generation is a, a groaning exercise. Well, I don't know if that would be a correct assessment that, that that's us not fixing the problem. That's the wrong word, but that that's an ordinance but uh -huh. like groaning is part of the ordinance or the becoming i guess you could say i don't know yeah. that's a that's a new mm. tangent that i hadn't thought of either yeah this I is myself on camera groaning oh sorry no i was I, just saying this is such a wicked world that's it it is i'm i was recording myself going to the temple a few weeks ago just because it was so pretty the blossoms were out and the tulips and and I was listening to it and I can hear myself groaning as I'm driving up like <laughs> like okay what was that so we need just like Lisa mm -hmm. pay attention to that and embrace it and feel it and yeah yeah was it's amazing so so much to think about so thank you for the so awesome discussion you guys yeah we went like all over the place but like, yeah it was it was so good like i learned many different new little things i always learn so I much from you guys thank you i um, learned so much from you guys too groaning i i'm gonna study that <laughs> yeah Ponder. i gotta take off but thank you so much yeah can't wait till next week <laughs> <laughs> love my saturdays <laughs> So and we, I think we've already lost half our people. Yeah. <laughs> we went so we're gonna study the first, the full one for next week.
to try and um, yeah see. so okay. i'm going to be sending out the the email um with the reading assignments we got a few we added probably another five or six i i expect there's going to be more too this next week because they're going to be uh, publishing that out but um some more people in the group that wanted to study the dreams and visions and stuff so i'll have the the welcome email and everything got it yeah. Well, I guess I need to buy the thing anyway, so I have chapter one, huh? Uh, well, let me put the the link to number one on there since it's already done. So uh, I'll put the number one in there so that you can read that one or listen to that one for next week. But okay. and read it because it's done. But um, yeah, and if we can help out on on, we're only on oh, number two, aren't we? Yeah, we're only yeah. having to listen to. I have the hardest time getting to that one, but I'm going to try to knock some of that out today, hopefully. <laughs> I keep saying I that. have a, I signed up for, I joined the um, genealogical form of Oregon. Isn't that where you are, Tracy, in Oregon? Yeah. Anyways, and they have a class today on Poland German research, which the Galki family is from there. They're from Prussia, which became Poland. And that family doesn't want to be found. So it was interesting in Hebrew class, Cameron, weren't you talking about that? About when you, if you have a family that doesn't want to be found. Oh yeah. When we were talking about patriarchal blessings. Yeah. 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 That got the tangent again. <laughs> Our yeah. starts out good and then it goes into the. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we've even had people, I went to the family history library in Rexburg years ago and she was the special German and she looked and she goes, yeah, you're gonna have to do what I did, go over there to Germany. Then I found someone who lived in Germany and he's like, my dad will do the research. That's all he does. No, he died. Oh. He died a sudden and kind of long death and they had to decide to take him off the, the machines. And it's just like, wow, this Gulky family does not wanna be found. Don't offer to help me. Yeah. <laughs> every time i think oh yeah i'm gonna find them some like they put up this roadblock so i don't know i'm gonna go that i'm gonna take that in just a few minutes in 15 yeah. minutes so i'm excited about that yeah, anyway fun. yeah my, i'm noticing my i think my daughter's going to be getting married this year she's got a guy <laughs> Yay. too and so i've kind of been helping hook his lines up and um when you do get records, my goodness, they are so detailed, especially with their weddings and stuff, because mm -hmm. they'll list the mother, fathers. Of That's the, the Germans. Kids. They're very, they're like records. Very meticulous. And so I have added probably 40 people this year, mothers and fathers. That's amazing. I'm, I'm working back into like the 1600s. So... Katie we cherish the Gulky names that we get because I'm both wondering if they'll link up a little bit. I may be. Both, because I swear I've added a bazillion names of. They're from Silesia, Silesia, okay. Russia. And um, the problem is Kurt's dad was born in Breslau and both his mom and dad were from there and we bombed it. We bombed it in World War II, and then what was left, we leveled. And so, but they were such good record keepers. I know there has to be records somewhere Super else. Good. I just haven't been able to find them. So, anyway. It seems like a whole bunch have been released. So, I don't know. Yeah. 
maybe I'll be able to find Stay more. Tuned. So um, I can send you if you would like the document um, that goes along with it. And it has a whole bunch of hyperlinks to places to look in, in Germany. She's doing Germany, Austria, and somewhere else. Poland, Germany, Poland, Austria, and I think one more place. But I'm just interested in the Germany, Poland one. Um, but there's a whole bunch of hyperlinks to gazetteers and different things like that. I can send to you. These guys are all in Freedom Brassu. They're all Catholic records, it looks like. Yeah, they were all Catholic. Kurt's, Kurt's family was all Catholic. I even have records to the German Jews that were there. Wow. <laughs> so, all righty, guys. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. All right. good. See everyone next week. Yep, and we'll see you on Thursday. Bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. -bye. Bye.